in any kind of urban interface, wildfire interface zones, there actually is a wildfire covenant, which says that you have to maintain non-combustible materials around around your house and make sure you have non-combustible materials on your roof. Uh, some of them require you to have a hose that reaches the roof in, in, in case you wanted to put some kind of sprinklering on there. So places like Kettle Valley, places like Rose Valley have these covenants on them uh, to kind of give people a heads up about that. Welcome to Real Estate for Real People. Hosted by Shannon and Tamara Stone. As award-winning real estate professionals, the Stone Sisters have spent years helping people navigate the complexities of buying, selling, and investing in real estate. From first-time homebuyers to seasoned investors, Real Estate for Real People is the go-to resource for anyone looking to make smart decisions in the world of real estate. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn from some of the best in the business. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate for Real People. I am Shannon Stone. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Today we have Peter Borsch um, coming to us and, and talking to us about, well, we're going to talk about what we've just kind of gone through, what we're still sort of living in a little bit is, you know, fire season um, and what that means from a legal perspective. So Peter has been practicing law for a long time, I think, as long as I have been selling real estate for almost, I think we got in at the same time. Um, so since 2006, Peter, maybe you can explain and talk about yourself a little bit and, and just introduce yourself. Uh, sure. My name is Peter Borsch. I'm a partner here at Montgomery Miles and Stone. Uh, I do pretty much everything that has to do with real estate and business. That's that's what I kind of focus on in my in my law practice, and I do that throughout the province of British Columbia. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time. You, I know, are so busy, especially right now. So um, we have just come through, you know, having a very devastating uh, fire that came through the West Kelowna. And we've learned a few things through that. Um, and also a lot of things that, Peter, you sort of knew even ahead of time, some of the things to sort of watch out for and prepare clients for. And I think we should just dive right into that as to, you know, first off, as we're coming into, you know, the summer months, we, we know that it does get a little bit warm here in the Okanagan. Are there some things that people can put into their contracts? Um, realtors, we have a lot of realtors that watch our podcast as well as the general public and, and consumers and buyers that are here in the Okanagan, lots that are from Ontario or from Vancouver that are moving here. And they just, this is foreign to them. They don't really know what to expect. Yeah. So what are some of those clauses that, can be put in place that can help people um, should a fire come come out, I guess. Well, we've learned from a lot of events and it's, it's not just fire. Like we've learned from COVID, we've learned from the, the big floods that happened. Uh, and what we've, what we've learned is that sometimes things can be unpredictable and things can happen outside of our control. So when we look to the contract itself, what um, realtors in the, in, in the local board area have, have really embraced is is putting in a force majeure clause, which is is something that says if you if you're unable to close because of your despite your best efforts, and that's a pretty key point here. I'll get to that in a second. But if you're unable to close despite your best efforts, there'll be a 30 day extension to allow you to um, to close after that. Now, importantly, we have to watch these clauses in particular, and there's a lot of different variations of them floating about, but. Um, we have to watch them because we can't really force a contract into uncertainty. If we have an uncertain contract, we really don't have a binding contract. So uh, 
oftentimes you've seen um, warnings about force majeure clauses, and uh, there's there's a couple out there that are widely accepted and approved, but we have to be careful about the ones that we use. So um, that's that's usually the best option in terms of like what can we do to protect ourselves is to give ourselves some more time to to kind of take a step back and take a look at what's happened. Uh, and then depending on what's happened, that leads to some other things down the road. So uh, that would be the first thing I'd be looking for if I was buying property in the Okanagan. The other thing that uh, is pretty key in a, in, a, in a contract is actually to have a subject to insurance clause uh, as a subject condition. Uh, most of the time, you can get your insurance bound 30 days in advance of closing which means that you've, you've gotten insurance. And that's something that uh, the, the real estate community throughout British Columbia, because of our, you know, the fires, the floods, you know, British Columbia is a wonderful place to live. Um, but lately we've been having some weird events that have kind of been, you know, the, the 200 year flood or the, the, the big wildfire that we just had. Um, and getting that insurance in place right away um, has been a big uh, shift in the industry because the kind of the the more typical thing was that it wasn't really something that was contemplated until four or five days before closing. You'd call your insurance agent; they'd actually answer the phone, and you could just place your insurance, uh, say, "Here's a copy of the of the home inspection," and they'd say, "Here's your insurance; you're good to go." Uh, that's how it used to be. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't happen that way anymore. The insurance agents are much harder to get a hold of. It takes a longer uh, a longer time to get. So the kind of the prudent practice has been to get that in place. Um, well in advance and as a condition of closing. So if we we do that, so 30 days out, and is that the longest that you're seeing is somebody giving an approval 30 days out? Can they, if they have their subject removal and they don't move in for 60 days, can they Mm -hmm. get insurance before they remove the conditions? And is that insurance policy or quote, I guess, valid for that 60 days? Well, I'm not an insurance agent and each insurance company is going to have different policies as to when they can bind and, and under what conditions they can they can bind a policy. When a, a bound policy is a policy that's paid for and is effective, okay? just right. so that we, we understand kind of the language here. Uh, so most of the time, my understanding is that that is 30 days out. Mm-hmm. Uh but like I said, they should they should really check with with the uh, with the insurance agent. If you're closing sixty days out, uh, again, my recommendation to the client is to get that insurance policy in place as soon as you can. So when the thirty day when the thirty day window happens, be calling that insurance uh, company right away because we just don't know what could happen, especially in summers in the Okanagan uh, or or in the spring with runoff for that matter. For sure, for sure. And then can you go back and just explain for some of our listeners that may not know um, what force majeure, (laughs) I almost did it, uh, what that clause means and maybe an example of one that you see sort of just explaining it in, in, you know, basic terms. So the force majeure clause says that because of broadly speaking, an act of God, Mm -hmm. uh, you're unable to complete a transaction and what happens because of that? And the in the residential real estate context, the force majeure clause we have is quite light. It provides for one 30-day extension. And the reason we do that is we don't want to create a whole bunch of uncertainty in, in the residential real estate con, uh, context. It doesn't do well um, for other, other things that are going on. Oftentimes, we have these transactions all lined up. So somebody's buying to somebody else who's buying, to somebody else, to somebody else. And we can have four, five, six deep sometimes. So we have to be careful how much we mess with that. Um, and so we've kind of taken a, a light pen approach to uh, the force majeure clause that's currently used in the 
interior board area. Um, and it requires a few things. One, it requires the person who's trying to use it to have used best efforts. So if you're saying, hey, look, I can't get insurance and I now can't close my real estate deal because my mortgage company requires insurance to fund on this transaction, which is a pretty key component of any uh, fee simple single family home sale. This doesn't really apply to Stratas because Stratas are going to have their own, uh, building Strata is going to have their own policy of insurance. It will apply to bare land Stratas. So if you're buying a bare land Strata or a fee simple home and you did everything you could to get insurance and you still can, you could go back and say, well, I have to use the force majeure clause, but you have to show best efforts. That's a very, very high bar at law. We want to, we, we'd have to be able to show, okay, I called these five, six, seven insurance companies and they all said no. Uh, for most of my clients involved in this wildfire um, event, I've actually, every one of them has been able to get insurance in some form or another. Either they went with their traditional provider because they got they got going really early. Uh, it's something that we actually give our clients a heads up on when we do a title review for them. Get your insurance and kind of remind them again. Um, or they've been able to get insurance through an online provider that hasn't had a restriction in place. Uh, now that is often more expensive insurance. That may not be ideal insurance for them. But insurance enough to close, uh, which has been pretty important. Uh, the other part of the clause is that it's it's a solicitor uh, it, it's solicitor uh, activated, which means that you can only use the clause in the three-day period prior to closing. And th th there's another reason for this, is that we want you to keep trying until closing to try to close the transaction. As you and I both know, these wildfire events are, they can come and they can go. Uh, we're already seeing this one, you know, start to subside. Uh, we've had the evacuation alerts that are on the east side of the, 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 the lake. Those have now been rescinded, I believe, or they were rescinded yesterday. Um, so we're still kind of waiting on the west side of the lake. But so here we are a couple weeks out and it's already starting to, to kind of you know, resolve itself. So we want people to keep trying, even though they've had an initial no. And we only want people to use this, this clause if it actually affects their closing. The third part of this clause is that it's one 30-day extension. Uh, and again, that has to do with, okay, how long is this event going to be in place? What other types of arrangements are, are we making? And ultimately, we have to have a firm and binding deal. And this is where it gets a little bit odd, because if you do have another deal, let's say you were buying out of town or selling like selling from out of town, there's, there's an out-of-town component that's not also going to be similarly affected. That's where we want to make sure that your, your out-of-town lawyer knows about this clause and you're actually considering the effects of both those clauses. So that's actually been most of the advice that I've been giving uh, over the last couple of weeks is those people who are, you know, for example, moving to and from the lower mainland. Uh, and so their, you know, their deal to buy in Surrey is totally independent of their deal here. So how does that work together? Um, so those have been most of the conversations that I've been having. And what have you, what advice have you been giving those clients that say they're, they're selling their house here, they're moving to Toronto or somewhere. I don't know why anybody would do that. They'd all want to be moving here instead, but say somebody is, is leaving the Okanagan and moving to Toronto. They can't get the funds of their sale here because the buyers, you know, have issued that clause there for 30 days until they can get insurance. Is there anything that they can do um, on their purchase so they can still move ahead with moving to, you know, Toronto if that's where they're going? Yeah, there's a number of things. Because remember, the, the version of the force majeure clause that we use is only a 30-day extension. It doesn't kill the deal. It doesn't give up any party a right to walk away. That's pretty key. That means you can still get bridge financing. 
So uh, the, the ability to obtain that bridge financing has helped out a number of clients who are in exactly that position. Right, right. Of course. No, that makes sense. And then I've also heard that there are covenants. I, I think it would be covenants that are sometimes on title that you will show not necessarily for fire because that's, you know, but if it's in a flood zone or if it's in some of those areas, so that will, some clients might have a heads up that, okay, this is an area where there could be some sort of natural disaster come through or what have you. Is that correct or no? Well, actually since 2003, since the Okanagan Mountain Park fire, which I know you and I both remember very, very well, I was actually sitting on my parents' balcony in, uh, in West Kelowna watching that fire and being, being quite, uh, quite uh, taken aback for sure. Um, since that fire, uh, in any kind of urban interface, wildfire interface zones, there actually is a wildfire covenant. Uh, which says that you have to maintain non-combustible materials around around your house and make sure you have non-combustible materials on your roof. Uh, some of them require you to have a hose that reaches the roof in, in, in case you wanted to put some kind of sprinklering on there. So places like Kettle Valley, places like Rose Valley have these covenants on them uh, to kind of give people a heads up about that. One of the interesting things about the Okanagan Mountain Park fire, which we were reminded about uh, with the, uh, the the McDougal Creek fire when they came up on the on the fire smart comments, is that a lot of the homes that burnt down had had the same kind of straw mats at the front door, right? Uh, because these straw mats basically, you know, the, the embers landed on the front door and then caused the caused the home to burn. Um, so it's the little things like that that uh, you can you can be fire smart. Uh, the government has some great information on that. Uh, I'm not an expert on it, but uh, that's that's kind of what the covenant should kind of trigger your mind to. In the flooding zone, yeah, yeah, and the flooding zones are similar. They say, hey, look, you're nearby a creek, um, and this creek may flood. And for most of that those cases, the home is built up to a certain mm-hmm. level unless it's like the original farmhouse or whatever. Uh, and because it's built up, it, the, the chance of flooding is reduced. And so things like being aware of, you know, you might have to get sandbags or what have you. I know Tamara lived in a flood zone. Well, she still does, actually. Um, and oh, so right, she's... Green, green Road, yeah. 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 So she's very well aware of, you know, come springtime, middle of June, she just gets ready and it just becomes normal, normal life. <laughs> and so, out. yeah, exactly. So So that's interesting that people might have you know, an inclination of those things, just be aware, you know, and I like that to, you know, have your home sort of fire safe as as much as you can. Um, I know that, you know, there's some amazing stories coming out of the fires that that did come through of the firemen. I know people that had videos of firemen taking their cushions off their chairs and moving their barbecues away and just being so diligent with just all those little um, things that, you know, we don't think of on a day to day, but of course those are you know, fire hazards in a way, um, if a fire's coming close. So, yeah, yeah it was, it, it was amazing, especially in the first days of the fire. I, I lived down by Jaro beach, which is a ways away from the fire. But in that first couple of days where we had the wind, there were, there were embers landing in my pool. Um, and the first thing my partner and I did was walk around the house and start getting rid of all the cardboard that was beside the house and, and everything else that we had just been sitting there. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, and, and it is just how it happens, but they did a phenomenal job. I mean, I have to say, you know, it's, it's neat to see the Okanagan and I know this is not a legal sort of conversation, but it's neat to see that the Okanagan really came together as a community as we both witnessed in 2003. But, you know, when you have something so devastating like this happen, you know, we've had lots of people say, Oh, well, would you want to move there? I mean, that happens. And it's and it. You look at it and say, yeah, but look at the community we get to live in that all come together, that everybody pitches in and, you know, I'm feeling pretty lucky and thankful to be, 
you know, a colonian, I guess, if you want to call it that. So I think we're lucky. Yeah, I've lived here all my life and I couldn't echo that more. Uh, it's it's really nice to see the community come together in, in those moments. And it, it happens over and over and over again whenever that happens. Uh, I've also lived in other parts of Canada. Uh, and it's really hard to be living here because every other part of Canada has it has their own thing, right? Whether it's uh, it's blizzards or hurricanes or whatever, um, you, you, there, there will be weather events no matter where you live. Um, ours just happen to be short and somewhat extreme. So yeah, for sure. Any other advice, Peter? That you know, as because we get, as I said, we have a lot of people that are looking at moving here. They see, okay, there's been fires through there. How do we protect ourselves? We've talked about the clauses. Is there anything else I'm missing that is something that's good for people to watch out for? Well, I think legally speaking, what you have to understand is that unless you're buying a very unique property, uh, usually your rights end up sounding in damages, which means that there may be a, an award of money that goes back and forth between uh, between the parties. Um, sellers really need to be advised that if there is some sort of damage to their property, even if it's somewhat minor damage, like the home didn't burn down, the buyer is still going to have a right to reinspect that home and potentially ask for some mitigation on that purchase price. Um, that's really that's been seen over and over and over again in the in the the case law, the Gillen Zhang case, the Gambrus and Swan case. Uh, those are just some some really good examples of that. So um, sellers need to understand that if there is an event that has affected the property, um, the buyers are going to have certain legal rights at common law that arise because of that event. So they can't just kind of insist on, oh, well, you already bought this thing. You're, 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 you're bound to, to have this happen. Um, there is, there is some sort of adjustment. Now, buyers don't just get away, get away with it though, right? The buyers can't just walk away from the contract. Your contract is still binding at law. Um, there, there just may be some changes depending on the degree to what, what has happened. The other thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to make this really clear, is that these are always questions of mixed law and fact, which means all the cases uh, are kind of determined on their own merits. If you have something that's going on, the best thing you can do is you and your realtor talk to your lawyer all together because you all have different perspectives on what's gone on um, and the degree to which it's going to affect both the value of the property. That's why we need the realtor there the use of the property. That's why we need the homeowner there and the legal rights of the homeowner. That's why we need the lawyer there. So that joint conversation becomes really, really important when there is any type of event that happens between uh, subject removal on a deal and completion on a deal. That could be fire. That could be a basement flood at Christmas time. I've seen that happen. Um, that, that could just be you know, hey, look, um, you know, our, uh, you know, our toilet leaked or, you know, our, our so our dog, you know, tore up the carpet downstairs in the basement. What do we do? Um, so that conversation is really important because it is going to affect how the buyer can view the deal. You, you, as much as, yes, we do sell a property as is in terms of kind of going forward representations and warranties, we can't forget that as viewed clause as well, which says that the property and the property includes both the land and the buildings have to be substantially in the same uh, condition they were when you took a look at it as when you're going to move it. So now if, you know, a homeowner is unfortunate and it, their house does actually end up burning and they have a clause there that's, or they had a deal pending on that, what happens in that case? Like, you know, they're selling their house, they have a firm binding contract on there. They were supposed to complete, they couldn't due to the fire and then they end up losing their home. What happens to the buyer's responsibility and the seller's? Well, it, it depends on, on the property and it depends on the parties. There's a few options available. 
if the pro- if the property no longer exists, like it's totally and completely gone, um, one party may make a claim for what's called frustration of the contract. Now, courts are usually reticent to award frustration because a lot of them have said, hey, look, you know, you do have the statement of risk passing clause, you have that as view clause. We don't really like to frustrate contracts if we don't have to. Um, but there, there, there are facts where the court have, has, has, yeah, this, this might actually apply. And we may, we may, we may award frustration in some of these circumstances. There may be unique properties. So I actually had a call from a, a client who's buying up in the kind of the Sycamus area where the, the house was totally destroyed. And he's like, you know what? I still want to buy this property. This is my dream lakefront lot. I, I want to go ahead and buy it. Um, and so we're having, we're having to work with, of course, now the seller and the, and, and the buyer and say, well, what is this property now worth? How is insurance going to come in? Uh, and, uh, and we have to kind of work with all three parties that are involved now because it includes the insurance companies to try to get that deal done because that buyer still wants to complete. Uh, unlike commercial contracts. So commercial contracts usually have a, a clause in them that says, hey, look, if there is a, a, you know, if this building burns down or there's material damage, the buyer gets to make certain elections. Those elections aren't in the residential contract, and and for good reason. They don't really apply too much in the in the residential uh, context. Uh, but because those elections aren't there, what we really have to do is rely on the common law, which says, "Hey, look, buyer and seller, you have to come back to the table here and talk about this, and there has to be some sort of adjustment." So it's going to depend on what happened, and it's going to depend on really what the parties want and how unique that property is. So I think that goes to, you know, I think making sure that you have good legal representation that can walk you through these steps and guide you through this process is going to be a key, a very key component. Am I you right? You know what? Having all parties <laughs> always helps for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So um, with that, Peter, thank you so much. Is there any any other recommendations or advice that you would like to give before we sort of conclude this conversation? Uh, well, I think that the, the important part is, you know, of course, be there for your neighbors, especially during this hard time. I think that's an important that that's just an important thing. Uh, and, and for us to all be kind of understanding and flexible with respect to timelines until these things get sorted. Like we, with 2003, we saw it all get sorted out. But for a lot of people, it took years sometimes to really sort out their 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 uh, home again, and uh, we have another 200 homes in Kelowna and 200 homes or plus now in the in the shoe swap that have all been affected. So it's going to take those people some time. So uh, be patient, and uh, it will get sorted out. And I guess that would be my last thing that I have to say. I so appreciate it, Peter. Great advice, and I think that's it. You know, be kind to your neighbor and be kind to yourself, and we will as a community kind of get through this. So. Um, I so appreciate you coming and joining us. We will have you again because you are a wealth of information and knowledge. This is only one area that you you know very well. Um, but every time I, we sit down, we'll go for lunch or something. We've known each other for years. I always learn something. So we'll certainly have you back. Um, we can even just talk about, you know, there's so many topics we can talk about. So we will definitely have you back. So Peter, thank you so much for joining us. For any of our listeners that want to reach out to you, how do they find you? What is the best way? My website's a good place to start, bcrealestatelaw.com, uh, or you can find me at uh, Montgomery Miles and Stone Law Firm. That's a great way to get in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Shannon.